Hello, friends. Welcome to Concerning the Times. I'm Howard Green. We're living in the days just prior to Jesus' return. Together, we'll talk about all things Bible prophecy, discernment, and end-time Christian living. I'm really glad you joined us. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Concerning the Times. I'm Howard Green. And today, we're going to talk about a subject that I've been wanting to talk about uh, for quite some time uh, in this episode, this video, and this podcast. Uh, I wrote an article back in uh, 2016, I believe it was, called Worship or Worship Tainment. And basically, what I discussed was taking the subject of worshiping God and the act of corporate worship during a Christian church service uh, and comparing that to what I would call the modern worship tainment movement. Um, when I say worship tainment, what does that actually mean? It's a term that's been coined in recent, I'd say in the last 10, 15 years, the last decade or so, uh, denoting a movement that's sort of a pseudo worship of the Lord uh, mixed with uh, entertainment, which is how they come up with the term worship tainment. Um, I don't think that was somebody trying to be cute or, or funny. The reality was, um, what did A.W. Tozer say? A lot of our churches become fifth-rate uh, theaters uh, with all of our entertainment and all of our programs, uh, shallow entertainment. Um, and I think Tozer was right when he said that. A lot of our churches have indeed become fifth-rate uh, entertainment theaters. So when I speak of worship tainment, uh, what exactly am I talking about? I'm talking about the shallowness that has invaded many of our evangelical churches, many of our Christian churches, not only in America, but much of the West, America, Europe, um, Canada, uh, uh, most of the Western uh, nations and our evangelical churches are characterized by a lot of uh, this capitulation to this movement that's worship tainment. And I call it a movement because of this. There are three or four primary players in the worship tainment industry. And you probably know them all. Um, we can go and talk about Hillsong. We can talk about Bethel Church. We can talk about, which is Bethel Music. We can talk about Elevation Worship, worship which is also Elevation Church. And we can talk about Jesus Culture, which is sort of, sort of a derivative of uh, Bethel Church. And make no mistake about it, these are movements. It, what I wanted to do today was sort of uh, take a sort of right-hand turn away from many of the videos, many of the podcasts and, and YouTube rumble videos that have been produced about worship tainment, because what they tend to do, and many of them are great and spot on. And I think of people like um, uh, Justin Peters and, and Todd Friel and many other uh, uh, fellow Bible teachers who have done a really good job explaining what worship tainment is and what it isn't, and then going a step further and then sort of exposing a lot of the um, just train wreck of false doctrine that is behind groups like Hillsong and Bethel and, and uh, Jesus Culture and Elevation. And there are more. There are more groups. But we're going to primarily focus on these uh, three or four for our purposes today. But what they do generally, a lot of these other fellow Bible teachers, they've focused on a lot of the false doctrine and the, the, the antics that go on in these churches. And we're going to discuss that a little bit, but we're going to talk about the elephant in the room and what true worship is versus the, this worship tainment movement. 
And before we dig in any further, some people would ask and say, well, Howard, isn't this sort of a, um, uh, a diatribe or a lecture on style of worship? You know, my church uses, uh, you know, we're sort of a conservative here. And uh, in my church, you, we use a, a sort of a pipe organ and we use a uh, just a, uh, you know, one keyboard and, and one singer. It's not that. And I'm not trying to be cute uh, because there's other churches you go into that are that are very, uh, you know, biblically centered. And they have a drum set, and they have a keyboard, and they have a couple of electric guitars and a bass player and, and multiple singers. That's that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about form and function nearly as much as we're talking about the heart behind the worship. And we'll finish up today by talking about what Jesus said uh, true worship is. So, again, this isn't about form and function. Uh I don't have a problem with the amount of instruments on a stage or if it's one single acoustic guitar and one singer or, or however a church conducts its Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Wednesday night, whenever you meet, uh, your, your corporate worship. But I do have something to say about that. I've been in, in many churches in my 50 plus years and I've seen all different types of worship, praise and worship services. I've been a Christian for a long time now, born again as a, as a teenager. I've been part of charismatic churches, and I mean, and charismatic churches that are completely focused on the gospel. No theatrics, no sensationalism, true gift of the Spirit, and truly inside God's will. So I've been in charismatic circles where the worship seems to be a little more upbeat and, and, uh, and a little more, um, I guess it's all I could say, a little more upbeat. And I've been in some larger, a part of some larger Baptist-type churches where the Maybe the worship and the praise is a little bit more subdued. And I don't know, maybe as many people, I'm trying to think of an example, don't raise their hands as, as some of the charismatic churches have been too. And listen, that's fine. We're not talking about style here because at the end of the day, we again have to defer to what Jesus said uh, true worship is when it comes to worshiping God. So form and function really aren't an issue. I do take one poignant issue, though, and I do want to bring it up, and it's this. When a quote-unquote praise and worship in corporate gathering of Christians on Sunday morning becomes more like a theater or more like a theatrical production, it's a production, an entertainment production, it's very distracting. Very distracting. And it takes the focus off the one that should be receiving glory and puts it on who? Puts it on man. Look at how well I'm dressed. Look at how I coordinate my movements. Look at how I step forward at the right time and the spotlight shines on me and comes off to the rest of the people on stage. And Look at how we focus our cameras on the drum player, on this guy and that guy. And, and then, oh, wow, we got swirling shapes on the walls. And now we got fog coming up from the floor, the ceiling. And, and uh, the music, and I like, listen, I like, Music, I like loud music occasionally. I've been to some concerts. I, I have no problem with that. But that's a concert. This is Sunday morning cor- corporate worship with the body of Christ, right? So when you have the, the swirling shapes in the walls, you have the smoke drifting from the ceiling, and you have the people and, and, and cadence, you know, moving their hands like this and stepping back at the same time, I have to wonder, what does it cease becoming praise and worship? Is under the Lord where he receives the glory, and what has become a theatrical event, entertainment, hence the word worship Only you can answer that. And the Lord has given you discernment 
to know what the difference is. Now, some churches that get that theatrical, am I saying it's an Ichabod situation where the spirit has left the building? Not necessarily, because it'd be some very, in spite of that, it might be some very powerful gospel-centered preaching. But I often have to wonder, when churches allow that type of entertainment to go on in their church, take away from the true, simple praise and worship of the Lord God, um, where the discernment is. You know, so we'll save that a little later. We'll get back to that subject of discernment in just a few minutes. But let's talk about worship team and the main players. Hillsong, Bethel, uh, Elevation Church, and uh, Jesus Culture. Friends, these aren't just worship groups. And I use the term with these groups, worship very loosely. And you know what I mean? These are movements. So if someone might come to me, and I've had it said to me before. I mean, ask straight up, Howard. So do you have, and I'm, this is not verbatim, this is uh, sort of just in context here. Howard, do you have a problem with the way these, these groups sound or a problem with the, with, you know, the style? No, I, I don't. I have a problem with the movement behind the group. I have a problem with the movement behind the music, behind the singing. And uh, yes, I also have a problem with the singing and the music. I'll tell you why. But primarily, let's go to the first objection first. Do you have a problem uh, with the group? No. The problem isn't with the group. It's with the movement behind the group. What do I mean? Let's take Hillsong, for example. Hillsong, since its inception, you know, this is several decades ago, uh, has been a powerhouse in the Christian music industry. Well known to laymen, to pastors, to your average everyday Christian, to celebrities, people like Justin Bieber and, you know, Selena Gomez and people like that. Who doesn't go to, who, or who didn't go to a Hillsong church, right? I mean, people that were in the know had to go to a Hillsong church, Hillsong, New York, Hillsong, LA. Of course, you got the Hillsong, Sydney, and all the London and all the major cities around the world. But there's a movement behind Hillsong, and it's rooted in the prosperity gospel, it's rooted in a name it and claim it gospel, and it's rooted in bringing attention to self. Instead of Jesus, how do I know this? Well, friends, you know what the Bible says? A person is known by their fruit. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So besides the doctrinal issues that Hillsong has with the whole name it, claim it, and hyper faith and hyper grace message that the Houston's preach and, and, their, and the, their other pastors on their staffs preach, there's the, what I would call, the ugly side. And the false doctrine is very ugly, don't get me wrong. But the ugly side of the whole equation is cover-up for pedophilia, cover-up for sexual abuse, rampant sexual abuse, rampant uh, careless shepherding, careless people that should be shepherding the flock of God, people that should be looking after their people in their church, reckless and careless. And whenever I've seen Hillsong, whether it's in a movie promotion for uh, uh, their, their movie that came out, I believe it was 2016 or 2017, maybe it was 2018. Uh, but what struck me is they had these big flashing words, it's all about. And then he got the name Jesus there. And friends, that's the deception that these churches and movements have. Because what they'll do is they'll take Christian words 
that we use oftentimes in church and as believers, spiritual sounding platitudes like Christ or the gospel or getting the message across or, or, or um, after winning people, you know, bringing people to Jesus. It sounds so uh, doctrinally sound and so scriptural. But if you peel off that thin veneer, in, in the case of like a Hillsong, you'll see that it's filled with all sorts of debauchery and evil. And it's, 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 it's a money-making scheme. They're using the name of Jesus to, to make massive amounts of money to cover up many scandals and to promote what I would call a different gospel, a different Jesus. Because the Jesus they are flashing on the screen saying that it's all about Jesus doesn't remotely resemble the Jesus of the Bible. Let's go to Elevation Church or Elevation Worship under the umbrella of Elevation Church with lead pastor Stephen Furtick. Now listen, I don't have to go, and, and many other Bible teachers have done a great job going into the details about the problems with Elevation and Bethel and Hillsong. I want to kind of glance over that today a little bit, but that's not my the role of this video and this podcast. But I will briefly discuss Stephen Furtick for those of you who don't know him. Stephen Furtick is another name at Claimant, uh, um, teacher that has promoted false doctrine. And off the top of my head, I mean, just thinking of one, the whole modelism where he takes the Trinity, it says it's uh, one God, and then there's one person. You know, uh, one God, one person. We know that the biblical definition of our of our Trinity is is one God, three persons. It's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I don't have enough time on this podcast or video cast to, to just to go to give you a itemized list of all the heretical things that Stephen Furtick has said. And if not heretical, certainly just outlandish. Um, and it's been said, and, I, and I've listened to him enough to understand, and I've heard the, the quote, someone, and he put it well. They said uh, something like along the lines of, it hasn't been a sermon that Stephen Furtick hasn't made about himself. Well, that's wrong, and the whole sentiment is, well, that's, that's correct, it's a correct statement, but the situation that he puts himself in is wrong, because remember, John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets, Jesus said, no other man has been born greater than John the Baptist, right? What did John the Baptist say about himself and about Jesus? Unlike Stephen Furtick, unlike Brian Houston, unlike Bill Johnson of Bethel, John the Baptist sees Jesus, and what does he say? He says, he must increase and I must decrease. And that is not the trajectory of Elevation Church or Elevation Worship or Stephen Furtick. Remember, friends, there's the music, there's the beautiful singing, there's the intense music, and then there's a message behind the music. There's the movement behind the music, behind the songs. And let's go, well, one more thing about Stephen Furtick and Bethel, I'm sorry, in Elevation Church. Uh, something else that sticks out in my mind are the spontaneous baptisms. They would go to a different place in North Carolina. They were their base in Charlotte or somewhere, uh, you know, preach a little bit, have some street ministry, and then have a spontaneous baptism. Or they would go have in their church, they would actually have a handout that they would give to some of their people in their church, their uh, worship arts people, their, their ministry leaders. And when they would call people to come forward and be baptized, they had instructions for people that were planted in different high visibility areas of his church 
to come down a long walk, you know, in uh, towards the altar up, up to the pulpit there so people could see them coming forward to induce other people that were not in the know to come forward for baptism as well. Insidiously wrong and extremely anti-biblical. Because you cannot, well, you try to, but you're not going to ever mimic or somehow manufacture a true move of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's just wrong on every level, dear friends. But let's continue. Uh, Bethel Church, Bethel uh, Music, uh, under the uh, all, under the um, sort of the umbrella of uh, Bethel Church, led by none other than Bill Johnson, who was the pastor of Bethel Church in Reading. Um, Again, of all these three groups, I, I could probably speak more about Bill Johnson and Bethel Church more than any of them. I don't want to give that movement a whole lot of, a whole lot of time or, or, or unmerited glory because the reality is Bill Johnson is a known heretic. He said some of the most outlandish things in the pulpit that a person could say. I mean, completely unscriptural things. You know, these groups are the little God groups. You know, we're, we're, we're little gods, we're little Jesuses, and uh, you can call things into being, and, and you can name it and claim it, but it gets worse. Because at Bethel Redding, they've actually manufactured, get this, angel wing feathers falling to the floor. Gold glitter falling out of the rafters to the floor onto people. I just don't find that stuff in the Bible, friends. Gets worse. Bethel Church and their youth ministry, if you want to call it that, and their fire tunnels. What is a fire tunnel? It's a group of quote unquote Christians that will stand on, say, I don't know, three, four foot apart and just be wailing and moaning and supposedly praising and worshiping God. And then you got this youth group member, this young person, this this naive teenager who's you know, seeking the Lord probably and wanting to find the Lord and maybe maybe build their walk up or just come to faith in Jesus and and they're they go into this quote unquote fire tunnel and they're yelling these things and fire and and then the, the kid starts literally convulsing and, and falling on the ground and, and, and moaning like an animal and barking like a dog or a wolf and howling at just some of the most hideous sounds I've ever heard in my life. Uh, spiritual? Yeah, I think spiritual. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's a different spirit involved here. It's a deceptive, demonic spirit. That is not a move of the Lord, because the Lord has given us a, a sound mind and self-control. That's the spirit of God, self-control as a believer. Um, one other thing about Bethel, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, but uh, uh, Bill Johnson's, uh, I believe it's his um, daughter-in-law, well, regardless of name, is Jen Johnson. I uh, was on the pulpit there at a, uh, a function. I'm not sure if it was a morning service or a women's function or what it was, but uh, had described the Holy Spirit. Remember, friends, this is the spirit of the living God that lives inside of you and me as Christians. She described, and it's you can find it on your, yourself, you can find it online, Jen Johnson described the Holy Spirit as like the genie from Aladdin. Blue, sneaky, funny, like the genie from Aladdin. That's how she describes our God, this personal genie who's blue and sneaky and funny. I'll leave it at that. So please understand when you're singing, when you get to church on Sunday morning and you look down at the credits there, right when you start singing, these 
songs that are by Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, or Jesus Culture. Look down at the bottom. You'll see there the credits they give them there that's paid for. They're being supported. Uh, they, they get the copyright. Um, they, get the, they get the credit for that. And then it draws people towards a movement, toward their books, towards the whole thing. And understand this, that, yes, you're singing these songs, some doctrinally yeah, correct. As one brother says, he passed the, the basic doctrine smell test. But many of them don't. But regardless of that, if you look behind the music, behind the singing, behind the wonderful hand gestures and the, and the, and the emotion, that, that mile wide, an inch deep depth of that worship, you look behind it, which is bad enough, you have a doctrinally flawed, and that's the easiest part, that's the best thing I could say, system, at best. At worst, you have a deception from the pit of hell that takes people away from what the truth of God's word says and puts it on people and movements and very false doctrine. So it's a warning to you. It's a warning to pastors, to teachers, to elders in churches. Let me ask you a question, friend. How can you, in good conscience, knowing what you know now, and it's been well documented, allow your church, your worship leader, your your worship arts director, whatever you want to call them, how can you elder, how can you pastor, how can you teacher, in good conscience, understanding what the Bible says about true worship, we're going to read it in a few minutes, and what actually happens at these churches that promote this garbage, how can you, in good conscience, let that filth be played at your church? Well, Howard, you don't understand. You're being legalistic, aren't you, brother? You're being, you're being, um, you're being contentious. No, I'm contending for the faith. How can you let that be played at your church on a Sunday morning in corporate worship with other believers, knowing that the movements behind these songs are terrible, full of all, all sorts of um, spiritual deception? So I'm contending for the faith, not being contentious, um, being biblical, not legalistic. But I'm, I'm not trying to judge you here. I'm just trying to ask you a question in good faith, dear brother, sister, worship arts friend who put these worship uh, programs together on a Sunday morning. How can we allow Hillsong, Bethel, Elevation, or uh, Jesus culture to be played at your churches? I mean, it needs to stop today. There's enough good music out there, enough good classic songs, not just the hymns, not just the great stuff we love from old. It can be new. It's not what I'm talking about. It's not form and function. It's the message behind it. So so look at what you're allowing to be played in your service and and I would say stop it today. Make a change. Call your call your worship leader if you have to. Call the worship arts director if you have to. Whoever it is, the lead pastor of, of worship or whoever that person is, so the, the team is, and put a stop to it. And in friends, it's not just me saying this. I mean they're Dozens, if not hundreds, of godly men and women calling this situation out. I mean, the the whole media is replete with warnings about Bethel and Elevation and Hillsong, Jesus culture. Don't do it anymore. Plenty of good songs to choose from. Why is this important? Well, I think we covered why it's important. But the main reason why this is so important is what Jesus said about true worship. And this comes from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4, and we can all probably quote this by heart. But uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse uh, verse 24. Remember, Jesus is talking to the uh, Samaritan woman. 
she talks about, she asks the question of Jesus, where should we worship? Uh, you know, some of our people used to, uh, they worship at Mount Gerizim, and we know the Jews worship in Jerusalem. But here's what Jesus said. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. And here's the key, friends, in uh, John 4, 23, actually. But the hour is coming, Jesus said, and now here, when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the, for the Father is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus, who is the object of our worship, tells us how to worship, to worship in spirit and in truth. Remember, God searches our hearts, our spirits with a lamp. He knows where worship is coming from. And Jesus says to worship the Father in truth as well. We know the truth. The Bible says, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So if the worship and the praise songs you're singing are based on biblical principles, keep it up. But if not, run from it. Well, you might say, well, Howard, you know, I've listened to some Hill songs in Bethlehem. Yeah, some of our songs are pretty beautiful and some are spot on biblically. As one brother says, it might be Justin Peters, but I forget. He says it passes the basic doctrine of smell, the basic biblical doctrine smell test. True. Some of the songs do, some don't. Same with Hill songs, same with Elevation. <clears throat> but again, you have to go back to the source. And in this case, it is guilt by association. Some of the songs can be beautiful. But at least half the songs you listen to, they're not so much about God. Yes, they'll use the name Christ or God and, and talk about the Holy Spirit and talk about uh, amazing grace. But if you listen to these songs very closely, there's a pointing away from God and to ourselves. It's all, all of it. Me-centered. Focused. Not God, me. He He does this and he'll never let me go and, and he's here for me and and me, 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 and it just, it's terrible. <clears throat> and it's all about our felt needs. And He knows this about me. When I feel this way, and I felt that, but you came along, and it's like God becomes our Santa Claus and our genie in a bottle and not the, not the one that dwells in unapproachable light, not our amazing God that we know demands our worship. Remember what Isaiah, uh, it might be Isaiah 23 or 24 says, I am the Lord thy God, and I'll do what? And I'll share my glory with no one. I'm the Lord thy God, and I share my glory with no one. Friends, at the end of the day, in our praise and our worship, as God, who dwells in an unapproachable light, is looking into our hearts, who receives the glory? And are we worshiping God in spirit and in truth? And I want you to listen to me, dear friends, whether you're a pastor, teacher, uh, a lay, lay person in the church, a volunteer, a Christian who goes to a church that plays Hillsong or Bethel, I'm not here to bust anyone's chops, but I'm here to lovingly and biblically warn you to quit playing that music. I don't have an agenda against Hillsong or Bethel or Elevation personally, but oh, you can believe that I have a definite agenda to warn everyone I can about deception behind the music and the movement. And friends, there's plenty of it. There's plenty of it. You don't have to believe me, 
But look at the fruit in just the past couple of years. Look at the name some of these ministries have. And I use the word ministry very loosely. They leave behind a trail of dead bodies, spiritual shipwreck, broken relationships, broken churches. And here's the thing. They bring bring the name of Jesus under great reproach to the world. So I would ask you, I I would plead with you to not engage in that. If you're a a minister, a pastor, a worship leader, whoever you are, and you're allowing your church to play that stuff today, don't take my word for it. Seek the Lord. Think about what I said. I believe being led by the Holy Spirit with his word as our guide. Think about the lyrics that you're singing. Think about the music behind it. Think about the, the movement behind it. And like I said, some of the songs are doctrinally sound. Many aren't. Think about the shallowness. One pastor, a really good pastor, uh, somebody that I that I um, listen to uh, often in the past, at least, uh, Brother David Hawking, said this. He called it a lot of the worship that we're doing today, these big groups, he calls it 7-Eleven worship. Well, that's a convenience store, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 7-Eleven worship, what does that mean? The same seven words sung 11 times. This is repetitious, repetitious conjured up sort of emotional high that we get on the drums pounding, the the fog drifting. And I'm wondering, where's the truth in all of this? Where's the truth in all this? Is this an emotional high? Like Tozer said, is this a fifth rate theater? Are we focusing on Jesus? Because frankly, friend, I don't want to see 15 people on stage looking at me going like this at the same time. It's hard to even concentrate with that. I'm not saying you can't have a bunch of people up there, but, but get the spotlights off, get the, get the, get the, the, the funky lights off and put the focus on Jesus. The practical way to do this is to get that music and that movement out of your church. Whenever you put up a Hillsong song, a Bethel song, Elevation or Jesus culture, they're getting money for it. They're getting credibility for it through your church and they're getting approval for it. And there's a very deceptive movement behind each of these groups. So in closing, Consider what I said, but do your own work and be a Berean, biblically, as it says in the book of Acts, and then remind you of one more, one more verse, and it's uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, when Paul says, friends, it's my desire that you increase more and more, that your, excuse me, that your love increase more and more, and all knowledge and all discernment. So Paul says, it's my desire, speaking to the church, the church uh, in Philippi, and even our church today, of course, the Bible's for all of us. It's my desire that your love increases more and more in all knowledge and all discernment. So when people say, no, all you need is love, and the music's so moving, and it's so wonderful, and yeah, but let your love increase with all knowledge and all discernment. So look at the movements. Look at the songs that are being played. Look at the movements behind them and the deception. And let's get rid of the hill song, the Bethel, the elevation, and Jesus culture. Dear Christian brother and friend, if you're in charge of your church, your leader, elder, pastor, a teacher, worship leader, this has to be done yesterday. It's leading people down a wrong path, knowingly or unknowingly. And now we know. So I want to tell you, friends, I care for you in the Lord. Uh, and I would pray, and it's my strong desire, I would pray that you would 
consider my words carefully, not as someone who has an agenda, but as someone who's jealous for the good name of Jesus, who wants to see us as collectively as brothers and sisters, wherever your church may be. I mean, we're all the church, right? Church isn't a building, it's people. We collectively meet in certain places. But to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. We're so glad you joined us for today's episode of Concern of the Times. Before you go, can I ask you a favor? Would you please rate and subscribe to our podcast? That would be a great help to us in our desire to reach many more people who don't know Jesus. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of Concern of the Times. Until then, every blessing in the Lord, dear friends. Maranatha.